You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. And even though I've been back for a while, I still feel just awesome. I just got so relaxed out there. Uh, it was the best. It really was. Now, to, that sort of leads into our topic today of why God created the universe. Uh, now, that's a topic that interested me you know, right from when I was a little kid, and then, of course, I became an atheist, then I got saved. The first question I asked myself when I was saved was looking out the window, I'm going, like, 21, why did God make the universe? Why not just sort of the earth, the moon, and the sun, and, you know, why the, the old Andromeda galaxy out there? Why is there a universe out there? I'm one of these people that ask complicated questions. But it's a complicated question that actually ends up with a very personal answer. It ends up with an answer that's going to affect your life and affect the way you see the Christian faith. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we know your word is full of surprising revelations. We know your Bible is an amazing book. And we ask today that you will blow our mind, that you will set off light bulbs in our spirit, that we'll say, yes, God is glorious and great and his plans are perfect. Who will come out of here today so excited about Jesus and so excited about God that we'll just go and devour our Bibles and love our neighbours and get on with our lives. Lord, speak to us. Open our spiritual eyes and ears today and let us behold wonderful things from the treasures in your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, we know that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. He created everything. Uh, and it says in Revelation 4.11, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and created. So God says, I want a universe. I want this universe to exist, and he speaks it into being. It's his idea, it's his will, and he decides that he's just not going to sit there as a spirit uh, with the Father and Son and Holy Spirit in eternal love, He's going to create matter, he's going to create light, he's going to create space and time because he wants a universe and he wants it for a purpose. Okay, and he creates the universe by his word of command. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and by the breath of his mouth, all their host, he gathers the water of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him for he spoke. And it came to be, he commanded, and it stood firm. God created the universe through an authoritative set of instructions. He spoke, he gave instructions, and things happened. And they were authoritative, and that when he commanded the angels or all the other beings in creation, he said, and it happened. He spoke, and it stood fast. Now, as a bit of a computer geek person, think of it as a program. God set this set of instructions and he ran light.exe. And he says, execute light. Let there be light. And boom, there was light. He checks the output of the program and says, hmm, it's good. And moves on to step two of his creation. Goes through all six days and he's created the world and he creates male and female. He creates us in the image of God and says, it is very good. We now have a flourishing ecosystem. This is a word... A little bit of a complicated phrase, but God creates flourishing ecosystems from the Garden of Eden to the New Jerusalem to the rivers of glory that we see there 
in the heavenly realms. He always wants people to flourish. He always wants families to flourish and churches to flourish and nations to flourish. He wants things to grow up and, and bear fruit, to be fruitful and to multiply. God just doesn't want to get you saved and shot off to heaven in a sort of capsule. He wants to make you part of a loving place. That's why God is love. That's why he tells us to love one another. That's why he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart because he's creating a universe that's going to be abundant, that's going to have living water there where everything is going to be full of joy and peace and creation is going to be vibrant with Holy Spirit and with the abundant flourishing ecosystems that God creates. You know that in your heart. When you see something that's terribly polluted and messed up, you, you grieve inside, your spirit grieves, doesn't it? This is not the way it is supposed to be, right? God wants a flourishing, beautiful, abundant universe. When I was out there in Alaska and I was looking at the beautiful Alaskan wilderness, it refreshed me. That's the way the world should be, okay? He makes this universe for his son, Jesus. Colossians 1, 15 to 17. Uh, can we get this up on that monitor as well so I'm not looking away from people? Uh, thank you. Okay, Colossians 1, 15 to 17. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. That's by Jesus. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. So the entire universe was created for Jesus Christ. It was created for the Son of God. The Father said, I want to give a great gift to my Son, to my eternal Son, so I'm going to make a universe. I'm going to fill it with planets and stars and people and horses and all sorts of things. And this universe, things visible or invisible, on heaven or on earth, whether they're angels or thrones or principalities or powers, are God's gift to Jesus. They are created through him and for him. And he let his son be part of the construction process. It's like uh, if you had a, a father was a master builder and he said, son, I'm going to build you a house, but I'm going to show you how to build that house. You're going to be in there. You're going to be in the process. You're going to be, this house is going to be built through you and for you and you're going to live in it. And the universe is the house of Jesus. The universe is where Jesus dwells. But God does not dwell in, how, in houses made by human hands. He does not dwell in temples, nor does he need anything that is made. That's in Acts 17. The universe is the house that Jesus built. And it's built by him and for him and through him and all things. That's why the universe was made. And it was made for Jesus as an inheritance. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers uh, by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also, through whom also he created the world. So Jesus becomes the one who inherits the universe, which is his house and his dwelling place, the place that he will have authority over and the place that he will rule. So Jesus inherits all things. He inherits lakes and trees and mountains and planets and stars and black holes and everything else out there belongs to Jesus and he walks through that. He holds all things together with the word of his power, which is actually the next verse there in Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. He holds this universe together. 
is not just someone with beard and sandals having a little lamb over his shoulder. He is the one through whom the entire universe was made and he, all things are created through him and for him. It's his universe. And, I, I, you know, I'm a complicated person. Ask dumb questions. So one of my dumb questions I had from a long time ago was, Lord, somewhere out there in the universe, there's an asteroid, big asteroid floating through. And the asteroid, there's a cave. And in the cave, there's a rock, a little lonely rock in a cave on the asteroid floating through space like 100 million light years from here. What's the point of the rock in the cave? Uh, the point of the rock in the cave is it's there for Jesus. It's there as part of his universe. And God knows, I can't see the point of the rock in the cave. My mind is too small. My mind cannot comprehend that. I am not the judge of the usefulness of things in the universe. But God is. This is God's universe for his son. And his, Jesus is, inherits, he's the heir of all things. And it's also for the co-heirs. This is where it starts to get surprising. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children, and if children, also heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him. What's that? Who what are we? We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. You and I inherit the universe with Jesus. Okay. If you've ever wondered what you'll be doing with your eternal life and the ages and ages that are to come, you'll be inheriting the universe with Jesus. Now, I have no idea what that's going to be like, but I'm sort of like, oh, can I zoom around a few planets and stars? <laughs> What's that resurrection body going to be like? My imagination, you know, goes on little Star Trek, you know, warp drive kind of things. What will we be doing there? Taking, inheriting the universe. And we'll see more about that as we go along. You and I will not be sitting on a cloud with a harp going ding, 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 ding. And since I have no musical ability, I'm really glad that that's the case. So... We, maybe a guy will have musical ability, in heaven, but we will inherit the universe. We will have things to do. And you know in those parables it says, this person was faithful, so they get five cities to rule over, another one gets ten cities to rule over. That's our inheriting of the universe. That's a little glimpse into what uh, we will be inheriting in ages to come. Okay, the next thing, the universe was made for liberation. The universe isn't quite what it should be yet. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage of corruption into the glorious freedom of God's children, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. So the whole creation is messed up because of our fall, because of our sin. It's been subjected because of the sin of mankind. The powers of creation have been muted. They're not what they should be. The universe isn't where, what, 
is, isn't quite like it should be. There's deserts where there shouldn't be deserts. There's, there's broken parts of the universe that don't really work that well. Big isolated places. And that's going to change. When we're resurrected, when we get our resurrection bodies, there will be such a blast of spiritual power that it will create a new heaven and a new earth. And I believe it will be created out of the present new heavens and uh, present earth, and I think most people agree with it. But it will be transformed, just as our bodies are transformed from the earthly to the spiritual, the universe will be transformed. Now remember, Jesus' body that came out of the grave, his resurrection body, was his earthly body transformed. It still had the hole in the side and the hands. It was the body that went into the grave was the body that came out of the grave, but transformed. And your body will come out of the grave, the seed of the resurrection body, transformed in some way in glorious power. And the universe will follow that transformation and you will inherit the new heavens and the new earth. The universe is created for reconciliation. He is also the head of the body, the church, this is Jesus. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Now we're used to thinking of the cross as reconciling people to God. That's true, it does. But it doesn't just reconcile people to God. It re re reconciles all things to God, whether things in heaven or things on earth. The entire universe is reconciled through the cross because the thing that's alienating the universe from God, sin, fallen demons, all that kind of stuff, they're dealt with through the cross of Jesus Christ. The whole universe was changed, which is why... When on the cross there came over supernatural darkness for three hours. It was an earthquake. Things shuddered and split. The, the veil of the temple curtain was torn up in two. People knew there was something supernatural and powerful going on here. Because through the blood of the cross, the whole universe is being reconciled to God. Put back right with God. Which we will see. To be inhabited. Isaiah 45, 18 says, For this is what the Lord says. God is the creator of the heavens. He formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. I am Yahweh, or I am Jehovah, and there is no other. God created earth to be inhabited. He created the heavens to be inhabited. He, everything he creates is to be filled with these flourishing ecosystems that I talk about. God wants the heavens to be filled with glorious angels worshipping him and praising him. He wants everything to be filled with love. The universe is remarkably empty at the moment. It is remarkably empty. But God wants his universe to be inhabited by the redeemed, to be inhabited by angels, to be inhabited by those things that will inhabit the universe in ages to come, which I do not know about, because I has not seen nor ear heard or entered into the mind of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But God wants all those empty planets to be inhabited by creatures that those planets become suitable for. That mightn't be creatures like me, they may be spiritual creatures of some sort and some power. And this universe will be glorious with the love and power of God. The universe has been created for the sons of God. 
Hebrews 2, 10 to 13. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, and bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children has God, God has given me. So we are the brothers of Jesus Christ and sisters of Jesus Christ. We are part of the family of God. The universe is made for Jesus and the universe is made for us. We will be the ones walking around this universe in the ages to come. We will come into an inheritance, glorious, undefiled, reserved for us in the heavens. And this is something I want you to understand very deeply because we have been uh, bombarded by teaching that it's all about the here and now, that the indication of your faith is whether you have this in the driveway or this size of house or this much in your bank account, and that somehow you're a bad Christian uh, if you're not rolling in cash, right? That somehow that, that I've blown it by being a missionary, you know? Uh, and, even, and, and this is not simply not true. We come into an inheritance that's eternal, if you have good things in this life, God bless you. That's terrific. I'm not condemning you. I'm not judging you. Right. Uh, uh, if you've got a good life, praise the Lord. Uh, but there are some people who serve. In, 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 I've seen pastors in Mindanao uh, who, who have trouble just affording basic medication or sending a child to school. Right. Even in America, there are pastors in places like North Dakota. They've got, they're out in the, the sticks. They have 20 or 30 people in their church. They drive a beaten-up old car. They don't have health insurance. Their life is tough. Church is never going to get any bigger out there because it's way out, you know. Uh, the average pastor in America earns $28,000 a year. Wow, that's tough, isn't it? Right, Minda and I are fine. Well, no complaint. <laughs> but there's a lot of people who are serving God who are really, really struggling. And their reward is going to be in heaven. Their reward is going to be an eternal reward. Okay. For Abraham, to the promise of Abraham and to his descendants that he would inherit the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. When we believe, when we put our trust in Jesus, when we have faith like Abraham had faith, we walk into the inheritance that Abraham had. And God says, Abraham was promised the world not just the land of Israel, the entire world. Abraham is the father of faithful, he's the father of those that become brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. He becomes the father of those who inherit this universe. And when we join with Abrahamic faith, not through our own works, but through faith, we enter into the inheritance that's ours through Christ. The universe is made for us. Giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. Or in Hebrews 1.14, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? Now, what Hebrews 1.14 is talking about the angels. The angels are sent to help us because we're going to inherit salvation and be the sons and daughters of the living God. At the future time, after the resurrection, we will judge angels. That's from 1 Corinthians 6, 2 and 3. We will be the ones that inherit the universe. The angels will be accountable to us. 
And they're sent out now to be ministering spirits. I'll show you 1 Corinthians 6, 2 and 3, because I look this, the look on your face, you're completely stunned. Okay? <laughs> All right. Let's go and look there. Right, 1 Corinthians 6, 2 and 3. Let's have a look at it in your Bibles. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? That's one correct. We will judge the world. We will be the administrators of the world. We will administrate all of creation. And we will judge the angels and say, angels, you didn't do a good enough job here. Get on with it. Right? Uh, and so we are going to have the saints' inheritance in the light. That's it's for us. Okay, where are we going? Is this... Oh, oh. Hello. Okay. Praise, uh, uh, praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being protected by God's power through faith, through a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So our salvation, this is this present salvation and future salvation. We are saved now. We are saved from death and sin and hell now. You believe in Jesus, you are saved. But there's an extra dimension to your salvation, which is when you get your resurrection body and move into your eternal inheritance. And this is an aspect of our salvation that we need to grasp. We need to grasp that it's out there. That the, Some people mock this and they say it's, High in the sky when you die. Well, why do you worry about your heavenly reward? That's just being greedy and this. But the whole of the Bible talks about our heavenly reward. And just for instance, I pray this never happens, but say there was a nuclear war, right? And America gets wiped out. And we're all back to basics. We're sort of some post-apocalyptic world. And there's no more cell phones. There's no more electricity. There's no more anything and we've got to make our way through the world. And we've got to still love our neighbour, and we've still got to love Jesus, and we've still got to... Uh, and all, but everything we've got in this life has been wiped out in some way. Our, our bank accounts are done with because there's no electricity, so all the numbers in our bank account have gone away. Right? So what, is it worth it at that point? Do we say, well, God, you failed me because you allowed a nuclear war? Or do we give up on God? Do we throw a temper tantrum? Or do we say, I am still faithful for you, though you slay me, yet I will love you, for I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he will take his stand upon the earth, and, and in this body I shall see God, from Job. Right? And those of you who know Handel's Messiah. But, uh, they, so there in this flesh we will see God even after we're dead. We'll be raised. And in the resurrection, there will be glory. And in that glory, we will have an eternal inheritance kept unfading in heaven for you. You don't lose your value if the economy crashes. You don't lose your value if there's a nuclear war. That is kept in heaven for you. And so the real account is in heaven. And so Paul says to the Philippians, I don't seek the gift, they've given him a large gift of money, but that which accrues to your account, in their heavenly account. And, and, and uh, Jesus says, 
Be happy when people revile you and abuse you for my name's sake, for great is your reward in heaven. For they're treating you as they treated the prophets of old. So this is account in heaven, and you're putting and you're depositing into that account every time you do a good deed, every time you say a prayer, every time you obey Jesus, every time you walk in obedience, that heavenly account is going up. And that's the only account that matters. Now, I, when I was up in Alaska, I was leading a men's retreat with veterans. And the guy who was in charge of the retreat was a, a US Navy SEAL instructor. He's a big guy that looked like the rock. Uh, uh, and, and so I was the camp wimp, obviously. And we were right out in tents in the middle of Alaska, and I had to take a shotgun to go to the latrine because there were so many bears around. Right? So it was real, 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 real adventure time. Well, one of these guys, his, his buddy had been killed uh, in the Battle of Kabbalah, I think. I hope I get the battle right. Anyway, he, uh, three days after his buddy was killed, this guy has a dream, and his buddy appears to him in the dream. And his buddy's sort of out somewhere there in outer space. And, and uh, so uh, he, the, my, the friend that I was talking to, he says to his buddy who had died, so it's real. And the guy, the killed soldier, his soul says, yes, it's real. And he says, then my friend says, are you okay? And the guy who's uh, passed away says, yes, I'm okay, but if I'd known what I know now, I would have done more. And then there's, there's a gap and he says, do more. And, and as my friend says, it, see, it was just a few, three phrases, but it seemed like to take hours, and he, and he was just telling me this very passionately around the campfire. And he says, do more, because of the reward. Because there's a reward out there that we need to walk into. The stuff that we need to do to fulfill our calling in Christ Jesus. Okay, let's lead to the next slide. Revelation 21, 5 to 7. Then the one who's seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, Right, because these things are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give water as a gift to the thirsty from the spring of life. The victor will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. The victor, the overcomer, the person who does more, the person who walks in the truth of Jesus Christ and has strong faith and does the commands of God, Inherit these things. What things? All things. I am making everything new. They inherit the new heavens and the new earth. Let's look at his plan, God's plan a little more. 1 Corinthians 3, 21 to 23. Let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ's and Christ is God's. So everything is ours, eventually. Not now. Right? I can't go and claim the Empire State Building or something ridiculous like that. Right? But all things are ours in the future as we enter into our inheritance. All things, everything, this universe, uh, including life or death or the present or the future or the world. It's all ours through the power of our redemption. Romans 8, 31, 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Right? Now obviously that's future. I can't say God will graciously give me all things, so 
oh, that Powerball, winning Powerball ticket. <laughs> I can't claim that kind of nonsense. Let, let's get that down to reality because some people are trying to twist the gospel, right? right? But in the future, he will graciously give us all things. He will give us eternal life. He will give us a res resurrection body that's glorious, that's undefiled, that's spiritual, that's immortal, that's imperishable. He will give us a home in heaven. He will give us a place in the heavenly city. He will give us significance and he will give us jobs to do. He will give us authority over planets or whatever we get in that time to come. And he will graciously give us all things according to his plan. And this is the last verse, just in case your minds are stressed out. <laughs> in him... We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, was sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, the inheritance I've been talking about, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So God's got this big plan. The word predestined is Greek pro so It means sketched out like an architect. God has developed this plan for our salvation. It's, 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 he's got this glorious plan with all these intricate details in it of, of where we're going to go and what we're going to do and, and how Pastor Mike's going to enter in glory and how his wife Christina will and how they'll have an inheritance in the heavenly realms. He's got that thought out. He's got you right here in the palm of his hand. He's thinking about you in enormous detail. Uh, and in, in Ephesians uh, 3 verse 8, it, it uses some words that, that mean he's thought about every tiny little detail of your head, the abundance of thinking. He's thought through it. He sits about and he thinks about you day and night with intensity about all the wonderful things he's going to do for you in the ages to come. God loves you passionately and has this plan. He's got you. He's got your life. From ages eternal, he's planned your life. Yes, we can stuff bits and pieces up. Yes, we make a mess of things. I have made a mess of things. Everyone does. Right? But God has got you here in an imperishable inheritance kept in heaven for you so his plan will work out. He cannot be defeated by the devil. Right? Ultimately, it will all work out for you. Right? So where am I going here? I, I have so many people saying, I'm walking away from God because it didn't work, and blah, 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 and he didn't get it right, and God messed up, and therefore, huh, right? Because they've got the wrong scoreboard. They've got the scoreboard here in this life. They didn't get the girl. They didn't get the job. They didn't get the visa. They didn't get what they wanted. And so they say, God, you didn't give me what I wanted, so I'm out of here. Right? That is not what it's about. Right? What it's about is the glorious inheritance that we will work our way up into, and it's a big zigzag to get there. Right? God has had to slap me about the head a few times to straighten up my thinking. Right? There's been a little bit of suffering on the way to get some of my PhD in self-pity out of me. Right? Right? Are some of the bad stuff that I've had in my heart, envy, jealousy, and all that stuff, he's put me in positions where I've wanted to be full of envy and jealousy, and I've had to, to just put up with it. Well, other people got promoted ahead of me, or this or that, right? 
so I would forsake the sin in my heart. So he is doing things, and all the, all the sufferings of the present age are nothing compared to the glory that is to be revealed to us. So what I want you to do is go get some of those old hymns that talk about that this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through, you know? Some of that stuff which says the glory is real, the glory is real, the glory is real. You know, like that guy up in space. Yes, it's real. It's real and it's going to matter. And it's the, that's the stuff that we want to be working towards. So when you're being hospitable, when you think, do I have to host a Bible study this week? Yes. <laughs> yes, you do. And it's a part of your reward in heaven. Right. Do I have to clean the house before the Bible study? Yes. All right, all right, it's part of your reward in heaven. And all the stuff you do for God, and can't I sleep in instead of going to church? No. Get up, have your quiet time, keep moving without Christian life. Don't object to the stress that God puts you through. God's put you there through that stress so that you may have a super abundant reward in the heavenly realms if you respond the right way to it, okay? You know that, you see it in the Bible. Today's a big context framework thing that will make other Bible verses pop out for you when you read them, right? All those things about endurance and patience endurance of the saints and when you read Revelation, all the horrible things that happen to the martyrs and yet they find them up in heaven, you know, all that kind of stuff. Think about these things. God's created the universe for Jesus. He's also created the universe for the brothers and sisters of Jesus, which is you and I. We become co-heirs with Christ of all things. Say, I'm going to inherit all things. I'm going to inherit all things through Christ. I'm going to inherit all things through Christ. God bless you. I'm going to pray for you. Pastor Mike's going to come up. All right, stand up. I'm going to pray for you. Lord Jesus... We thank you that through the cross, you've brought us into an inheritance that's, per that's perfect, that's undefiled, that's glorious, that's awaiting us in the heavenly realms. And we want to come into that inheritance. Lord Jesus, make it real to us. Make us able to see it and to taste it and to reach out for it so that we can leave the things of this life behind so we can obey you, so we know that it's worth it. Move in us out of our flesh and out of our selfishness and out of our self-pity and help us to be obedient Christians who get the reward. We run the race. We fight the good fight. We receive the crown of righteousness. We confess this now in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. Feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission. For more information, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.